Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hey, I'm John. Hello, I'm Ed. And you know, this week we're going to go right back down that little rabbit hole called 3D printing. Hmm. And we're going to actually kind of go on a, I guess it's a setting and a feature, or a setting and a piece of equipment. Yeah. So we're going to look at infill and nozzles. They sound like they don't go together. They really do. But in reality, one makes the other. So you have to have your filament. You Well, you have to have your filament that goes through your extruder, that goes through your nozzle, and then into your um, uh, infill process. You know, it depends. It also depends on are you running... Um, and also, there's your supports, too. Yeah. So, you know, if you're talking about you want to do 10, 15, 20, 25, or 100% infill, you know, depends on how much more filament that particular extruder is extruding and also what pattern it is in, mm-hmm. which can be thousands of different types of ones. I think there's even one out there, a Christmas tree, at this point. So, so I would say yeah. from a... Gyroidal, I think is the main From one. a uh, beginner's perspective, from my perspective... When we're talking infill, what what exactly are we talking about in in respect to the three D printing process? What what does that mean? Um, when you when you break it down, the first thing I think of is um, uh, you're thinking about the density of your print. So I could start with resin and to to step back into FDM to to make it make sense. For a resin printer, I can print one piece solid. And you'll feel that density. It's, it's going to be pretty hefty. Um, if you print that same model um, with, uh, you know, holes inside, you're using less filament or, or, I guess, like some type of infill. So it's the filling inside of the layers mm-hmm. or of the shell of that print. Mm-hmm. If I lessen that a little bit, I'm using less liquid filament. It, it works a lot better. And in those cases, please vent it out because if you don't, you're going to encase it. And if you can't cure your resin, it's going to stay there forever. I still have, I don't know if you remember, you guys remember my first print was one of those castles. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally encased it in re- some resin in the bottom. I had a little pool inside on the bottom floor. That pool is still there. Still there and leaking. So I can't, it won't cure. I left it out in the sun. You might need to hit that with a drill. Yeah, probably going to have to hit it with a drill. Punch a hole through it and let it drain. But but to relate that back into FDM is is it's that, it's you got your perimeter shells. Mm-hmm. And you've got your infill inside of that to create your supporting. Like if, if it's um, supposed to have some type of structure, then you need some support for that structure. So it's the pattern that that structure takes. So um, how, do, how does the infill affect the strength of the, of the object? Well, with that, you can go from something that's a little squishy, you know, like if you're, or something that's really thin. You know, kind of bendy. If you're dealing with like a a vase or something that holds, you know, plants or paperwork or whatever, 
to something that is 100% solid. And, you know, it's gonna, when it's solid, it's been, it, it's solid. Um, 100%, no air gap, nothing there, solid piece. It's gonna be like a hunk of, ch- a hunk of plastic mm-hmm. at that point. Okay, and then when we're talking the, uh, when we're talking the nozzle and we're talking the end feed, how is that affected by the, the diameter of the nozzle? How much of, how much of an impact does that have on so, what I need to set the infill to and what I'm actually getting from the infill? So there was, there was a piece that um, I'm going to probably go into more detail later, um, just as a way, because this is a question that I wanted to kind of touch on later anyways, is how do I strengthen my print? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you already touched on something, if 100% infill. To me, 100% infill, I... That's a waste. Honestly, I can't justify it. Like, 80% infill, that's pretty much fully, like, solid. And and you, you think about it, like, architecturally, I've looked at, you know, bridges and things and how weight's kind of distributed off of, mm-hmm. you know, some of those legs. And it's the same kind of idea. If you can, if you can redistribute the force being put on it to better be transmitted through it instead of like affecting it solely like the print itself mm-hmm. that can go through it it can transfer that energy then you're you're gonna feel less wear and tear now as far as the nozzle goes the thickness of that nozzle is greatly going to affect how solid your infill is so a 10 percent infill as a as a grid you know it'll it'll look like a bunch of squares <coughs> or boxes on the inside looking down at it mm-hmm. The, those walls are going to be th- super thin, so they're going to be very brittle. Um, now, if you do... Like a 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.8 in yeah, the nozzle, yeah. to be a, be a lot thicker. It's going to be a lot thicker. It's your mortar level. size, yeah. pretty much. You can, you can dispense, well, not dispense, you can liquefy and... Yeah. Uh, Larger quantities. Disper- disper- dispense more material. Yeah, dispense, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, it's your, your, your mortar level is... If you think about it, your infill is kind of like if you think about it like a brick building. Yeah. Your infill is the mortar. Mm, okay. Um. So your, it helps each layer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help each layer here, but it helps each layer become a little bit more solid. Okay. So it's kind of like your rebar. Okay. Um and stuff like that, and it's just really and the thing is 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 bigger your nozzle, bigger your rebar. Okay. Yep. So you go from ten penny rebar. You know, the pencil thin stuff mm-hmm. that you use to like twist around mm-hmm. everything when laying out um, mm-hmm. sidewalks and concrete to your reinforcement three quarters of an inch, mm-hmm. you know, rebar that you're driving down inside of a wall that hold that wall steady. Mm-hmm. You know, then when you, when you pour that concrete in there, that because con- you start talking about design, that design mm-hmm. is what your rebar is. Mm-hmm. The little bit of a le- infill that's on top of that is the concrete that you pour down inside your casing. Mm-hmm. That builds your wall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your layer lines are your bricks or your your um, cement blocks mm-hmm. that have holes in it. Okay. So, uh, wh- why is it important to have supports, and is it necessary to have supports all the time? Ah, that's a loaded question. Some people build very loaded. Yeah, some people build the supports in with the model so they break away easily. Um, some things have. Over over uh, hangs in the middle of a print, which makes it harder for you to you know support the middle of that bridging process. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a lot of cases, 
I would say supports are necessary. A lot of the times I use the slicer, I'll slice it without supports and I'll see it color codes your, well, slicer at least color codes it. I think, I think Kira does too. Mm -hmm. Color codes and says, hey, this is overhang. There is nothing underneath this layer to hold it up. Yeah, Super Slasher does the same thing. So it's telling you, hey, this is the area that needs supports, and you can assign support enforcers to those specific areas Mm -hmm. so that you're not doing the whole thing. Granted, if it's very intricate, you might need to do a full full, um, supports everywhere. Yep, I've done that. Also, full supports doesn't necessarily mean more stable. Mm -hmm. More points of contact means more points for failure. If an elephant foot's at the bottom, it could also pull the rest of the print with it. It also supports. I've ruined a lot of prints because of supports. Because now the support becomes part of the print. Just can't get them out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're doing that, you know, make, make sure you, you know how many uh, support or what type of supports you're using. Yeah. Um, Especially with articulating as well. Like right. Well, mine was like a box I was doing. It was a hollow end box, mm-hmm. and it was filling the inside and stuff like that. Well, you know, magically, that infill became part of the print, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get it out anymore. As hard mm-hmm. as I tried, you know, I couldn't get it out, you know, unless I broke the print. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is just be careful with it, you know, and the thing is, is the draw on stuff is probably your best bet, you know, so you can set it yourself. Sometimes the printer will do it for you. The, the, the slice will go, this is, what, this is all I need, 100% all I need. And then some people who design these models, for example, the Voron guys, no supports. They're set up that way. They're designed to be non-supported. So, and that full full control XYZ, if you use that website's URL-based yeah. slicer, okay. they kind of work with your settings to trick the plastic to behave. In such a way, it doesn't need like you can print ninety degree angle overhangs in in certain ways with how it cools. Mm. So if you if you have it set up correctly, then you can do it that way. So I guess and as your friend, unless you're using ABS. Yeah. Yes, I guess there's a certain amount of waste that comes with supports, and mm-hmm. it, it, is there is there a concern far as like with infill? So is infill one one setting? Is it one way? Like if it, is it one parameter? Or what 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 can you do with infill? Like, it, is, it, it, is it variable or? Oh, yeah. It depends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it depends. Are you talking about the different type of infill types and designs? Yeah, th- I guess what I'm saying, like, so how do I know what infill setting Ooh, to, would to, work best? That's to, loaded. To yeah. use on, say, a particular print. So so a good a good example is, is and I actually have to send you this print because you were asking about it earlier, is is that tire stack. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a pin holder. Um the way that I printed it and the way that I prefer to print circular items is with Archimedean cords. Okay. And in that sense it's 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 more precise on it on its arcs and its circular mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. curves. Um, as opposed to like a Hilbert curve. Okay. You know, trying to make the longest line mm-hmm. possible. Now think about that though. Think about a Hilbert curve, it tries to make the path like on that same layer mm-hmm. with as many turns and then making that one line as long as possible. If you don't have lines crossing perimeters, then you don't have filament overlaying where it shouldn't be, so it's got to be more precise. So I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect. I'm not not saying that at all, but it it's something to consider when you're talking when you're thinking about, you know, layer um, 
um, adhesion to each, like uh-huh. layers shifting and things like that, um, and, and 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 things of that nature. I mean, to be honest with you, like I. If, if you're asking, like, what what should I do or what my general opinion would be is, is you should use gyroid because mm-hmm. you think it's it's deflecting the force in multiple angles and multiple dimensions okay. as opposed to XY. It's 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 transferring that force in yeah. a much better way. Like, Gyroidal is kind of what I use for everything yeah. at this point. It's a, it's a go-to. It's most structurally sound. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go in there and change if I don't have to, you know, at this point, you know, mm-hmm. unless it's like, I know for unless I, I like the thing is I'll usually do a test print real yeah, quick. Even when you twist it, it, it you'll, you'll feel it. Too, you yeah. know the thing is, but like I'll sometimes do a test print just to see does my infill show. You know through my, um yeah. uh through my layers, if it does, okay, time to change my infill up a little bit. You know you're always going to sacrifice something, um, but that's only if you're not sure of the print. If you've never done that print before. Run it on a cheaper filament than what you would run on your regular filament. Like I run on PLA from do a test batch mm-hmm. before I move over to something a little bit more expensive. But you know the thing is, is like what you're asking the the, the the waste topic. Infill is not waste. Infill is part of the final product. No, no, that, the the the, support. the supports. Yes, supports are waste. However, it's very it, they're done right. It's very limited. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it's only like maybe single quad or something like that. That lines maybe max. Mm-hmm. Um, very light. Preferably snap off. Like yeah, they're snap off. They're not really hard adhesion on, mm-hmm. on there. You may lose maybe less than a gram mm-hmm. um, of of filament total if you go by weight. Um, you know, if you think about it, you got a you got a, a print that weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of say a couple about a couple mm-hmm. about two or three ounces. Yeah. You know, you may lose a gram. You know, out of that, yeah. um, it's it's much lower of a flow. Yeah, rate. you're you're you're, you're, you're may, you may lose maybe a say because a lot of stuff when you talk talk about three D printers, you're talking about millimeters. So it's how many millimeters am I use or millimeter squared am I lose using a filament? Mm-hmm. When you do the mathematical equation, it's millimeters. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, you may lose maybe maybe at max what four millimeters I, I, of I, filament total. You. You're not. It's negligible. Yeah, it's okay. you're not. You're not really gonna pay for it. So what? It's not gonna hurt your bottom line. How does you'd pay more for a failed print? Yeah, because you, you didn't do your support. Right. So, so how does does velocity have any impact on in infill? Hundred percent. Yeah. Speaking. How, how fast? There's a reason people print with the Voron versus printing with you know standard Ender or Prusa is speed. Speed matters. I mean, not in all cases, but. Like, it, if I'm having trouble with the bed adhering, and it, the temperature is right, and the filament's extruding right, and everything is working, but it's still not sticking, slow your print down. I bet you it'll work. Mm-hmm. You're going too fast. You're not giving it time to set and cool. So, it's it, the velocity is very important, for, especially for an ender we just talked uh, recently about. Uh, I meant to say boron, sorry. We, we recently talked about extruders, but that direct drive on the mm-hmm. boron is also greatly greatly affected by the speed and also is a reason that the speed is possible on a Voron is because yeah. of direct drive. You're talking, what, 3,000 millimeters a second? Yeah, that thing is absolutely at a, crazy. At a, at a, at a top rate. So know. that guy made the three-minute three, three benchy. It's not a pretty benchy. Mm-hmm. It's made in three minutes, and he has server fans on his Voron Zero, and it is 90 decibels, so you, you need some earmuffs, but... That Benchy was printed in three minutes. Oh, the the thing is, is I'll tell you right now, freaking, if you start talking about speed, velocity, and you know, <laughs> printing, 
Yeah. My Voron, when I have it running, like I ran it the other day because I was printing um, exhaust fan covers. I went downstairs to grab a, a bottle of water, and I could hear my printer through my floor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I'm printing away, mm-hmm. right? But it's because it, I had, it's turned up. It's running at 100% rate. It's, it's flying. But, you know, it lets me do my entire print with this infill that I needed. I think it was like 15% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in 58 minutes. I think you're supposed to be doing 40% for these Voron pieces, man. I think that is 40%, actually. Oh, uh, that's impressive, then. It was done. Uh, both, <laughs> of, both of the parts I had done it. At impressive. Right about, I think, about, right about 58 minutes a piece. That included a warm-up time. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. So, so I guess uh, another question, and I guess we could maybe talk, maybe a few questions on nozzles, but another question I have is, uh, so with the infill, um, say if I'm using TPE, Mm-hmm. What's what's the what's the challenges of infill with PLA as compared to TPU or ABS or some other uh, That's material? A hard one. That's a hard one. I I would say gyroidal still mm-hmm. reigns king, but reigns like supreme. not knockoff from uh, you know the same test that we that we're running for the in PLA or PET G is the squish test or the I guess the I don't know force test that mm-hmm. until it like cracks you can't do that same one for um, for TPU it's just spongy so in my mind it would be more of I'm pulling it and when will I get a separation mm. like as opposed to squishing it or anything like that mm-hmm. and to be honest with you if you're ripping TPU and you're strong enough to rip that TPU that's even printed at a 10% infill, you're pretty strong. Yeah. Or, so, or the machine you're using is pretty strong. Or the machine you're using pretty strong. It's just that much more of a powerful powerful <laughs> yeah. bond. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, yeah. yeah, in that sense, <laughs> I would say infill only matters as much as weight uh, okay. as opposed to, like, you know, structural integrity. But, yeah, at the end of the day... You, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and there's one piece I want to touch on before we go into nozzles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about the efficiency piece or standpoint. Mm-hmm. Is like if you took a cylinder and you printed a cylinder just standing straight up, it's like two, three inches tall, and you're printing it with a, with a grid infill at 10%. That infill is only going to be a single layer. Okay. Um, or a single shell, I should mm-hmm. say, across that. So let's say it doesn't make a couple. So you, that's 10% right there. So you can effectively, you can... Say, let's go to 25%. Hell, let's go to 50%, mm-hmm. right? That, yes, is going to greatly increase the amount of grid space that you have. So you're going to cr- create more squares in there. So it is going to be stronger. It's just inherently how that works. Mm-hmm. But it's still single layers mm-hmm. for each perimeter. It's just yeah. more of them. So I'm thinking about you know taking into account the efficiency pieces. Why do I need to do a 40% increase on my infill? Is there a way that I can efficiently keep that same structure at, with a less percentage infill? And absolutely, there's a way. A 10% infill, if you make the infill layers, perimeters, shells, two layers as opposed to one, you double the mm. strength, more mm. than double the strength. So if I had 10% infill with single layer infill, and a 10, or sorry, if I had 25% infill with a single layer infill and I had a 10% infill with double layer infill, it is stronger than the 25% infill. 
So all I'm saying is, is that yes, it, the the type matters, but it also matters how efficiently you're using those. Do you have a single perimeter mm. shell? Is this going to be taking impact? You you should have some more more than a single layer yeah. protecting mm. the impact on the inside. If it's just holding structure for like a, a model, then that'd be fine. Mm. A single layer would be fine. Now you can really throw the curveball here. You started talking about base mode. Yeah, base mode is a. Uh, Base mode is what started me down this path of perimeters yeah. and adding extra perimeters in places because of... Because you're, you're only putting a, an infill down the bottom. That's it. Yeah. It's the only spot that there's infill. Other than that, it's a circle the entire way up. You can add shells. You can add more layers yeah. to the shell. But, but If you want it thicker, yeah. The, Most of the time you don't. The reason, the reason I did that, though, is to keep water in. Yeah. Because the first time I printed it in shell mode without doing any changes, it was leaking. Just because it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Then I added two or three more perimeter shells. No more leaking. That base is water sound. Like yeah, it water makes it nice and thick, too, so it makes it not as, as, as flimsy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, as far as I know. I haven't cut it open, so. <laughs> yeah, it's nice and flimsy. You know, it's not flimsy, <laughs> so. it isn't, you know. But then you can, of course, you know, with the TPU stuff, you can use it. You know, if you print it right with the right infill, something like that, well, you can put it under your couch and so, move your couch around with it. That's that's true. You that's That's a great point. If you, you can make some friction pads that'll uh, block the scratches from your hardwood floor, I'm just yep. saying it's as easy as printing a square. Like one single layer mm -hmm. will be enough. Um, Coasters. So a P, I, I want to kind of bridge into the nozzle, nozzle mm -hmm. kind of um, debate now. I know that you probably have a couple questions to kind of lead us into a place, but hmm. but the nozzle debate can take well, forever. I, I can, I yeah, can, I can get you started. Like you know, so what you're the king of the rabbit yeah. hole. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead. The reason I say is, uh, you know, where you stand on Ruby. Oh, Jesus Tip Christ. Uh, so, I'm very much, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you speak French, uh, mise en scene or something like that, is everything has a place, uh, and that place. is not mise en place, oh yeah, there you go, everything has a place, that's what it is. I think the other place. thing is for, got a place. I think every, I think the other one's a film term, everything in the frame. Yeah, everything in the frame. Um, I mean, but but everything has its place, and that is not with me. So, <laughs> but, but, but no, it, it has is, use. Is it potentially, it is, the is thing is, think, think about, with certain materials. think about yes. the hardness level, okay. So usually in hardness, you're dealing from what, zero to 10, 10 being diamond um, on the hardness scale. Yeah. A ruby, synthetic ruby, you know, please don't use real ones, um, falls, because most of the ones you see on nozzles are synthetic. Yeah. So um, kind of fall right about an eight or a nine, I think. And they use those basically in wash movements. Right. That was the reason to go because they're wear resistant. Yeah. So you got them. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, is, is Rolex uses them. Yeah. Um, they also use diamonds too, but that's a whole other story. I was gonna um, say, especially for jewelry, like yeah, that's sapphire crystals. That people like don't realize that people can three D print like the jewelry you're getting from Jared. Yeah, getting from K mm -hmm. or whatever, you can three D print those things. But if you think about it, you know, if you, you start dealing with you know an eight or a nine or yeah. even a seven on the hardness scale, you know, you're dealing in almost something that's technically indestructible. Um, you know, at that rate, that won't wear as fast. So even if you can put something mm -hmm. abrasive through there, it's not really going to take off a lot of layer so at, every you, time it runs. What are you putting through there then? What when you say abrasive? What what's what's if you're dealing with anything like like carbon well, fiber carbon laced? Fibers. Yep. Um, or anything metal laced? 
TPU yeah. does have a lot of friction. Though. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. So. But I mean, the thing is, is like most of the time you're talking about your carbon fiber nylons. Yeah. Your nylon themselves, anything carbon fiber infilled, polycarbonate, polycarbonate, mm. and anything that's metal infill should go through a specialty nozzle. Yep. Um, just because it's going to save you in the long run. You know, if you're not printing that stuff every single day, you don't need it. Yeah, we don't, um, there's not a lot of people doing that either. But it, let's be devil. Some let's people be, are because some people are printing CF nylon bearings and stuff like that. Yeah. However, those people are printing on also bigger machines. Not an Ender three. Print. Not an Ender three <laughs> or a boron. Let's be it was. They might be on a boron. Okay. It was advocate. If oh I could purchase a nozzle that would last me for four years. Is it worth the cost? No matter what I'm printing. I think it'd be guaranteed for those four years, yeah. No, I'm saying if you purchase it and you use it and it was to last for four years. Same amount of work as if you got if you didn't have it. Would it be would it be worth that buying, you know, consumable basically like in welding you have consumables. Yeah, I don't think I think it's gonna last longer than that, but 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 I'm just just making a point. Could I buy one to rule them all, or do I buy a bunch of uh Nozzles that I know is going to wear, you know, relatively quick, and um, then keep purchasing brass. And then what do I do when I get finished with the nozzle? How do I dispose of it? Mm-hmm. How you recycle? Right. Then you're right in your recycling bin. I think yeah. there's one piece that one key piece that we're missing as well because you're just you you're talking about the ruby, the the diamond, and all those t- uh, like yeah, just, extra tip the nozzles. Yeah. Tips. There's there's a few other caveats to the other nozzles that make them. I would say even more important than having a mm-hmm. diamond tip, um, because yeah, the t- having a tip that's you know abrasive, abrasion resistant, and and you know more durable that lasts longer. At the end of the day, you're gonna save the you're gonna save the money you would buy for the hardened steel tip nozzles. Yeah. Now, however, if you're printing PLA and PETG with that, you're you're taking the Lamborghini out on the street and you're not running it like it should. You're you're going twenty miles an hour downtown. Like that's yeah. You're, you're not you you're you're doing a little much. True, but, but I mean that's it, it. It will it would it have a? I suspect it would last longer. Yeah, I mean that. But what would be? What would be the downside to, and just you know we just yeah just doing a thought experiment. What would be the what would be the disadvantage of having that if all I had to have was one nozzle and didn't have to change the nozzle if it could last oh, if it could last we we haven't put one on a machine right. and ran it for four years so I'm That's not going to say it'll That's run true. for four years it should it should right. work though I mean in my eyes I don't see anything that's stopping it from work, working not either the other piece that I wanted the to hardness kind of scale in, was there so. yeah the, so we're all t- like we're we're very much harping on kind of the tip of the nozzle mm-hmm. now that's not the only piece that's important. Yeah. Uh, I think it's CT, CTH or CHT. I, I, I mix this up. Mm-hmm. It's it's the style of how the nozzle's heated. So you think about it, the heat you're screwing it into the heat block. So the pieces that are contacting the heat block are the outside of that threading, right. and then it goes into the nozzle to to melt the plastic from there. This this. There's another way that has three like, like well, a thermal like a, conductivity would be yeah. a disadvantage with the ruby tip because yes. it has a poor yes I, therm, yeah, no, I, that, that's that's a good piece too because then it depends on what you're printing you might have some issues maintaining right but but um, the high flow um, mm. what I'm talking about is is so you have standard conventional uh, tips have just one piece of plastic going through getting pushed but the high flow the CHT has a 
kind of a triangle cut. Like the, there's three circles cut. So what it's trying to do like is the, heat inside and heat outside. Is that kind of like the volcano? Volcano, y- yes. High flow. Yeah. yeah it, so it's actually higher flow than the volcano. Oh, okay. So the volcano is a high flow. You, you, you're absolutely right. It is so it's it's how the nozzle is cut on the inside is, mm-hmm. is the point I'm trying oh, to get to oh, okay. is because it creates instead of you're Increasing heating the, the outside the outside of the plastic mm-hmm. to, to melt it you're cutting the plastic and it's heating on the peat or it's cutting and heating and melting on the nozzle as it gets pushed through. So it's almost like you're pushing it to a through a secondary extruder. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, and and if you slice you're, you're those putting up, it through a splitter. It's kind of like a log splitter. Yeah. The and log it's got more heated. surface area now. So now that heat transfers that much better through your plastic, mean meaning that your flow is that much faster on the right. plastic. So it's it. I would even say, and I would argue that having that um, three that tri like hole cut is more important than having a ruby or diamond tip. Yeah, just because I can see that because it would increase your flow. Yeah, and, and if you're talking about speed, like yeah, if you have issues with retraction and you know o- uh, over extrusion, probably yeah, that'd be a fun nozzle good. to tune that in with. Because yeah, you never know what you're gonna get at that well, point. I mean, you know, you're talking about I retraction, but you're splitting the three different pieces. Yeah, I want to try one. So yeah. that that kind of makes it. So how do I retract something that's already split? So mm-hmm. here here's something that I guess this weird idea I just had. So what's stopping What's stopping someone from having a screw inside of the molten um, plastic, like an uh, injection molding machine? So you're saying, like, set set the mold and then put the screw in place and then print around it? No, no. Uh, like a screw? You have a screw that goes through ah, the okay. nozzle. Okay. So that, you know, you maybe have to have a little bit longer tool and you may have to change the uh, hot end and do some things there with the thermal break. Uh, with the heat break, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you were able to molt- make molten plastic and run the screw through it, you could increase the pressure. Yeah. Then maybe you can get a finer... Uh, like an Archimedes screw? Like pushing yeah, this? That's mm-hmm. basically right. how yeah. you're talking about. Okay. It has a screw in it, and it, it runs through the molten plastic under I high see what pressure. You're and that's how they get the plastic to go into the, the mold. Okay, I definitely was so, picturing that different. That so makes sense. I'm saying, I wonder if it's possible to do something like that with the screw. I don't know what what advantage or disadvantage you would get with that, but I wonder if that's possible to do the same thing with a screw mm-hmm. that you're doing with those cuts. Or is it possible, if I can't put a screw inside, to do something inside the nozzle that that makes uh, has the same uh, mechanical properties as a screw? Mm. Like awesome. the... Uh, like the guy who built the um, Dr. G flow, who built the giant uh, printer in his garage that runs off the pellets, and mm-hmm. it has the little, it has the the it's uh, air, it's a, something yeah, vibrating it so that it makes sure it's always yeah. filled. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's I, useful. I'm just curious, like I said, I mean, it was a little bit off topic. I'm just curious that if you were able to make those type of, uh, I mean, it'd be more expensive nozzle because yeah. you'd have yeah. to have some special machining. But if it was a way to machine the nozzle or have an insert that went inside of the nozzle. Mm-hmm. That, like as a pusher? Yeah. I wonder if you would get I, some I mean, benefits from having a screw to increase the pressure. My thing is, is with that, and this, is, this is just, you know, you know, well, according to Nick, I guess, you'd probably have to have your filament coming in from an angle and have that screw coming down on top of it. So you'd have to be like off a 45 degree angle right. feeding the, 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 the filament into the nozzle that way. Right. 
so you have a heat like a heat chamber and yeah, you have that right pressure right. coming down on top of it. So it so had to be in the molten metal. Right, it would have to. So your your yeah. piston would be straight up and down, while your filament would have to come in at an angle. I just, it just, I don't know, just popped in my head. I was just curious. It's an idea. Yeah, that, yeah, I definitely was thinking that you were talking about like starting to print, hitting pause, and being like, "I'm gonna lay this piece and then print all around it," because that's that's absolutely what you can yeah, do. No, no, I was you just make thinking, a screwdriver yourself if you have just the bits. Well, one of the one of the things that separates three D printing from plastic injection molding is that it used the technology it uses is high pressure, hmm. and that high pressure can fill multiple molds to make multiple things. But because of the mold, hmm. you get a a uh, greater level of detail mm-hmm. on the outside of whatever you print. The issue with the 3D printer, because each layer has to, almost, my understanding, each layer has to set before mm-hmm. the next layer can set on top of it mm-hmm. and so forth. So the artifacts are the uh, the lines. Yeah. You know, the, those artifacts are right. hard to get rid of unless you do some cosmetic things or some prep stuff afterwards. With, with PL, when we talk in uh, FDM, mm-hmm. PLA, yeah. you can do vapor smoothing with ABS and yeah. things like that too, but be careful if you do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might. Um, toxic fumes, don't inhale that. Yeah, toxic fumes or it may just disintegrate See, itself. I even, I even had the thought, like I said, I, I guess. If you're not quick enough, it will. If if they <laughs> can take, if they can take and dip, do. Uh, say, an apple in uh, like um, molted uh, candy. Mm-hmm. Why can't you have a, a dip for the print that you dip it in and you roll it in such a way, like when you do a dip tank with a car, Yeah. when you're doing, you know, coating process, one of it's a way to do that where you just do a, a, your, the filler or primer or whatever is liquid and you just roll it in a certain way. Kind of like the old school um, uh, vehicle printing, uh, priming process? Yeah, then, because it would be one smooth thing, and then you wouldn't have to do several coats. You could probably do one. So like a row dip. Yeah. Like a row dip yeah. for, for yeah. 3D printed parts. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean. That would definitely be something. Because then if you could, if you could get to the to almost the same Chain resolution. Chain call it good. You know, yeah. I would say 3D printing is at like 1080p resolution. For FDM, whereas you know, like injection molding products, like at twenty k, yeah. with, with the resolution. Now, mm-hmm. in between that, I say we could probably possibly get four k realistically with. Uh, well, the SLS printers you can get four and eight k. Well, I mean, you can get realistically four k, even with goals. If you compare the details, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the artifacts and it doesn't have the the layer. You the actually layer, the layer you, lines. You, you can see a bit of a layer. Line. Yeah, but like. When you when you put something in an injection mold machine, you spin it out. It's like, wow, that's smooth. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying like maybe there's some way or some technology that's yet to be discovered or yet to be brought from the industrial application to a desktop application where you can do something with the coding process. E- even if it was like you could figure out how to do powder coating on these things. Where you did the primer or powder coated way, mm-hmm. maybe you put a charge on that, or That's what I was gonna or, say some type of, or yeah. or get one that has uh, some uh, metal particles in mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and then you can charge it, and then you know do a powder coat on it. Powder coat cures, you know, it's the humidity is what gets the powder coat to yeah. cure and harden, mm-hmm. and then you 
could possibly get to something that's closer to, I would say, 2K or 4K. Well, they already have your, um, like, for example, um, I don't know if we want to talk about, you know, we don't want to really run pews into all this, but, you know, different type of parts and stuff like that. You can dip into a vat that's got a sheet on top of it that you spray with, like, acetone, Mm -hmm. and you dip it down inside of it, and you roll it, and it takes that image and transplants that image onto the um, actual part that you're printing mm-hmm. or doing. Yeah. So, you know, it's usually used in the uh, in the firearm industry um, or the bow industry, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I can see bringing that into the uh, 3D printing industry. You know, if you want something that's like, oh, I want this in camo. Okay, well, I'm going to dip that because I don't want to fire up a printer that does multiple um, print, multiple colors. I just do a base color of white and then dip it in there, and guess what? Now I got yeah. a snow camo. Yeah, and, and, and people do a lot of dips that way too. So, like I say, I, I'll just be maybe maybe that's something we can explore down the road to, to see. You know, maybe that technology already exists. Mm-hmm. Herb freight for the win. It would, but it would be nice that <laughs> Ed's flexing his paint shop knowledge. So well, I'm just, just I'm just yeah, thinking you know, if, to show if off you, a little bit. <laughs> if you're showing off those ABB skills. Well, <laughs> if you were able to take. I'm just thinking if if you were able to 3D print and then get past the amount of time it takes to prepare one of these things to be to the quality of, hey, I can put this in a mold now, and then now I have a mold to make more. But if you were able to to bypass that process, then you're almost at the point where you can maybe build your own action figures. Mm. Oh, is that what? Okay, never mind. It makes sense. Ed wants to build his own. Action figures. He wants to be the superhero. He wants to be the star of the show. So. That's that's. I'm saying it'd be cool. Instead of Superman, you got cool you, <laughs> you take a, you you take a 3D representation of yourself and make yourself into a superhero. Oh, eventually, mm-hmm. no. Th- instead of Superman, it's Gramps Man with a yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Got Captain Hindsight um, over here. And <laughs> so the consumer can make his make their own superhero. Yeah, and the consumer who has a thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm saying. <laughs> Like I said, I'm just, I guess I'm just thinking, thinking out loud. Well, no, it's it's a, it's a good it's an idea. It's yeah. it's definitely something that that you can do because you can customize things a lot easier yeah, than printing just... in multiple materials. Because also printing in multiple materials is MMU more waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MMUs and so But the thing is, is that's when you get into the fact that you're going to start talking about nozzles. You know, I know, you know, who knows? But your nozzle, you can actually do dual filament nozzles. Yeah. So. Oh man, yeah. I've been waiting to talk about the other thing too. You got you got a nozzle that goes on one side, the color goes on one side, the color goes on the other side, and then guess what? It spits out a color in the middle. Well, um, the thing is, is with that you can also use your as long as, long as your extrusions right, you can use freaking uh, dissolvable. Um, uh, yeah, please use the same type of support. Dissolvable support, yeah. Well, I'm gonna say please so use the same type of support. Come out. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's here's something that we we all forgotten that we saw at a show on YouTube. The adjustable nozzle. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I didn't forget. I've been waiting. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been waiting on that one. <laughs> I've been waiting. He's been holding that yeah, one. Yeah, I've been waiting because because it solves the problem. We, I'm hoping we go to like. Rapid TCT this year that we actually see that darn thing sitting there. Yeah, I'm gonna look at it. So I kind of want to play with it. Probably gonna get in Touchy. trouble. I'm gonna pick things up. <laughs> like, hey, what's this thing right here? But yeah. no, but it's going to do not do not do a show where things are worth millions of dollars. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, the kid, kid, um. Candy store. Yeah, it's the candy store. Yeah, I was gonna say toy store. We're, we're giving a bunch of kids a bunch of pixie sticks and say, "Here, go have fun." Yeah, <laughs> but 
but the variable nozzle, I can't even remember who did it, and I feel bad now because like it was so interesting. But all it I was from Germany, if I remember right. Yeah. It was a company out of Germany that yeah that that presented it in the uh, but the it, show. That's just crazy to me though, is that it it, it has a, an ability to say, hey, I'm a point four nozzle. No, I'm a point six nozzle. No, Scultman. I'm a 1.0. Scoltman is the one who came up with it. Scoltman. So. The fact that it can adjust itself and change the in, the uh, flow rate to whatever is is crazy to me because also that means that your infill can be done that much quicker, and I can do the two layer infill single layer yeah. like but as thick as two layers. Or I just print one single blob and I'm done. Yeah, or it's just one blob. Yeah, you're done. I mean that's. I want 100 percent infill. Open it up and that's crazy to me. Like to see to see how that works is that that's an innovation of the, the nozzle that's supposed yeah. to be a standard piece not moving. Yeah. And now it's changing and variable and yeah. that's what everything else the is. The thing end is up is that they're they're aiming to for F D M printing. Mm-hmm. You know. Um you know, I just hope they bring it to the FFF world if you really want to get into the the semantics of what is not trademarked and what is trademarked. Um so, you know, FDM is trademarked by um, uh, another company. So, we'll leave it at that. FFF is more or less the open source community's new version of it. Um, Strasis, for trade naming that freaking FFF thing, the FDM thing, please don't. Um, but they did. So, you know, for that, they're trying to aim to improve the worlds of, you know, both, I guess. <clears throat> now, what would be cool is if you can actually get one of those... On like an Ender, or a, Vor- or a Voron. Yeah, it was pretty big, so it's, I mean... Well, if you increase the size of the Ender. Well, yeah, and the only thing holding it back is the, is your mount that's on the gantry. Like, that's the only thing holding you back. You can, you can realistically 3D print that piece, too, if you want to. I don't know how much you want to do that. I'd say ABS or ASA if you're doing yeah. that, but questionable. Yeah, it's still I mean, possible, though. It's, you just change the uh, framing. So your yeah. printer can be as big as you want it to be. It can be yeah. bigger the house if you want it to be, with the right framing. That's true. And the right equipment, right motors. Well, see, that was the other piece that I was gonna say is that the motors are change are changeable too, and it depends because then you'll get a Delta printer block. But that's mm-hmm. another. That's yeah. all another episode. It's like if you actually look at their website, you know, I just kind of just looked at it a second ago. It's freaking, it's insane. You know, from Sculpman. Mm-hmm. But and it does look like they're trying to make it for the smaller. FDM yeah, like fit, fit the um, it's not E three D, but there's a the micro Swiss size, like yeah. that smaller size. Mm. There's a name for it. I just can't remember what it is. Yeah, they'll probably they'll probably partner with E three D or something like that. Yeah. But you know, or Bic or somebody like that to bring it to market. Yeah. You know, as a more affordable approach, because yeah. you know if they produce a thousand of them, they'll save they'll you know make their money back in R and D cost. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Hell, you make one, I'll pay you. Me too. Uh, I'd pay for it, and that's that's probably what they got a lot of their orders were from. Was the guys like, I want that, and then they get home and they're like, Oh, I, I can't fit this. <laughs> but the thing is, if you think about it, you know, what's your nozzle wear? Yeah. If your if your nozzle's continuously changing, and I know this is extending out the episode a little bit, mm. but your nozzle wear on a variable nozzle. That's never the same. Yeah, God forbid you got the diamond tip variable nozzle. 
Yeah, really. You just waste all that money for for nothing. Yeah. I'm curious because that is more moving pieces, meaning more, more preventative maintenance needs to be done. Probably got to grease it, too. Possibly. Um, so, I mean, it just, to me, it adds more caveats to, like, I know I talked about possible failure points. I mean, at a certain point, adding things is, is necessary. You're adding features, but you are adding possible things to fail, too. So huh. It gives me more of a reason want to try it. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the modern motor, you know, power line. <coughs> Outside of a transformer, which is probably like 97% efficient, mm-hmm. probably the thing that's more, I would say, robust than a transformer is a motor. Yes. And that came with, you know, they had to uh, develop the technology and yeah. uh, make them more robust. So it depends on the materials you use also. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I can agree for that. Yeah. But, you know, I think that brings us to the end because we can rant about this other new stuff all day long. Yeah. So, but, you know, for me, you know, I say thank you. I think, uh, you know, we, it's, it's, you know, an awesome ride. You know, y'all being there, uh, listening to us, listening to us ramble, you know. You know, take a look at the podcast. Take a look at the podcast, YouTube videos. Um, you know, the blog. You know, go out and take a look at some of that. You know, if you don't know where it is, let us know. We'll make sure we got it in the. We always got it in the description stuff. So you know, um, you know, kind of let us know what you're thinking. You know, on something. You can reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter, if you really wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, we're putting more and more content out there lately. Um, so you know, we hope you all uh, kind of enjoy. And, uh, you know, I'm going to turn it over to everybody else, but, uh, you know, have a good one. Yeah, we'll appreciate the uh, support, guys. <clears throat> and once again, you know, uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode. Um, uh, we would like to see uh, what type of nozzles are you guys using uh, and uh, what has been your experience with that type of nozzle. Yeah. yeah. Some people may not have replaced them. I mean, to be honest yeah. with you, for the first year, I don't think I replaced very many. Maybe once, and that was just because I was, like, curious. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, uh, I echo these guys. I'm greatly appreciative of, you know, anyone listening. Um, seeing seeing those views, those listens come in is is is, is satisfying. So it's, it's something that, like, um, you know, does help us contribute towards going forward. So it's something that we, we, we greatly appreciate, and I know we say it a lot, but it's still not enough. So, so thank you, guys. Um, do want to say stay tuned. The uh, single point lessons looks like a pe- couple people are taken to them, so um, looks like that's something that we would like to kind of move forward with. So uh, stay tuned for some of those and seeing what those like are, are like. Uh, and honestly, if you have a single point lesson or a problem that could be solved possibly with a single point lesson, just let us know or ask us, and we'll set one up specifically for you to help solve your problem. So, all right, guys, stay tuned. We appreciate everyone. So. Hi, y'all. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at vulcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.